go follow Emily. Just wait a bit. Here, there you go. I don't know about you, but you know what? Everything that we've done so far here this morning, uh, you know what, Jerry? When you were when you were given the devotion a while ago, I thought, you know what? I was worshiping. Let's just stop there. Thank you for that. And these songs that we've just sung were indeed praising our Lord for who He is and what He's done for all of us—not just one of us, but all of us. Amen. I tell you what, I love worshiping like this. I hope you do too. You know, we, we're in this part in our uh, working through who we are, who we are here at Boulevard. And we've been focusing, uh, last week we are in Ephesians, Ephesians 4. That's where everybody always goes when they talk about fellowship. So I thought we would just do that too. We went to uh, Ephesians 4 and we read last week. We said, I therefore, this is Paul talking. He says, I am therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to continue with that and go go into the next verses about that because it's all about the unity that we have together in Jesus Christ. Walking with Him. I love singing about that this morning. We've been talking about that, haven't we? Walking with Him. How's your walk with Him? Your life in Him, walking with Him. He tells us how, why we do that in, in the, the next verses in Ephesians 4. In verse 4, he says this. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're all one in him, each with different gifts. Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you so much. Oh, Lord, we praised you so much this morning. Lord, may we continue to do that each and every minute of our lives, not just here on Sunday mornings. But, Lord, you are indeed Lord of our lives. One Lord, we praise you this morning, Lord, loving you, basking in your love. We come together, Lord, to hear you speak to us through your word. These words that have been written by Paul through the Holy Spirit. Lord, open our hearts and our minds as we look at this as one body in Christ. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, this what we just read, it's a peek into what the church is supposed to look like. Just a glimpse. Um, it's what theologians, all these smart guys that went to seminary, right? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that, that slipped out. You know what? It's um, This is what they call ecclesiology or the doctrine of the church. Or they're they're called churchologists today. Hmm. However, these modern churchologists claim that there's there's little in the Bible about the modern church today. I disagree. If I go and I read all of the letters that were written in the New Testament, guess who they're written to? The church. 
the church that Christ came and established. Now, that's not to say that we're, we're going to jo- go join the world church. I, I'm not saying that at all. There's a world church movement that's not that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But these writers, all of them that wrote, you know, Peter, uh, John, Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews, you know, all, they're all writing to, to, the, to the problems that exist in the lives and the members of the church. We, get, we tend to read that and we want to read it as we're reading it for ourselves or, or, or to ourselves. Right? But they always deal with them as a whole body. And he calls that the church. Hmm. No teaching or appeal or admonishment is made directly to, to us. There, to us now, there were some individuals, of course, that they wrote to. But it's always the, the membership... It, it, He's talking to us as a membership of the church of Christ, Christ church. So if we don't understand this New Testament doctrine of the church, what is being taught about there, then we could miss the meaning of, of all the appeals and the admonishments and, and, and the exhortations that these guys wrote. So most of our problems in the church usually start with ourselves. Now, where do we get that attitude? Where did that come from? Hmm, seemed like I can go back to the garden and find that one, can you? What separated us? And we started focusing on ourselves instead of on God. So sin puts me in the equation. It puts right in the center of everything, doesn't it? So it, it makes me feel that, that I'm alone and I'm important and this is all about me. After all, we're the me generation, right? Thank you, Pepsi. No, we're not, are we? It's the same one that's always been. Um, our time is focused on thinking about what it makes us feel good and, and what we're interested in. The New Testament teaches us right up, takes us right out of that. It takes us out of the meanness and it puts us right in front of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Oh, let's let's look at that here in a minute. Uh, the healthy church is the body that walks together and with the knowledge that that now you're members of the body of Christ and individual members of it. That comes from 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to go there in just a minute. So if you're tracking me in your Bible and you're in Ephesians 4, you can keep peek back to 1 Corinthians 12. I know you guys that studied preaching, that kind of breaks everything in, in this homiletic outline, doesn't it? It's okay. That's where the Lord's going with us today, so trust me on that one. Um, that's been Paul's argument from, from the very beginning. Now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. Any amens here? Yeah. Everybody here, member of the, of the church? Christ church? Yeah. Okay, good. You know what? That's been Paul's argument from the very beginning of, of Ephesians. If we'd, we'd read all of it back, he's saying that. The Jews and the Gentiles were given the Holy Spirit. And they were living one in the Spirit. That's, I don't know about you. Anybody here have any good Jewish friends? You ever been to any of their services? That's a hard thing, isn't it? Bringing Jews and Christians together, and he did it through the Holy Spirit. I'll be. Lord knows how to do everything, doesn't it? Now, and the early church had its troubles understanding unity. Uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians because they had heard um, that there were divisions, jealousies, and strife in the church. That's his exact words. Because they were focusing on themselves in a human way. 
not as creatures in the, of Christ in the body. What we were talking about earlier, this communion thing. Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians 11. They were going out and they were, they were having big parties and eating together and doing all that kind of thing. They were even eating all the food they'd come together. They were supposed to dine together remembering Christ. But they didn't. They came together because they were remembering themselves. It's kind of like a, oh, forgive me, football rally or something like that. You know, they were doing it, not remembering why they came together in the fellowship of Christ. Hmm. They were still thinking of themselves as individuals and, and had formed themselves into these small groups of individuals. So Paul, Paul explained the doctrine of the church in, in, uh, as he wrote to him in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, and that's what he, did, that's, that's what he does here really in, in, in uh, Ephesians 2. He, he plays on the word one. You're still in Ephesians 4 with me? You know, we read that. Just notice all those ones a while ago. One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Repeating the word one makes it crystal clear that the, that the unity of, of the church is essential. We're all one. And then for you wordsmiths out there, and I know we have several, and, and you, you number crunchers, and there's several of us too, isn't there? Um, listen to this. Uh, the word one is used seven times. Three times in verse four, three times in verse five, and once in verse six. Now this sounds kind of trivial, but hang in there with me. And the last time, it's a summary of, of all the, the unities. And, and the word all in verse six is repeated four times. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's all about unity. This whole thing's about unity. And each of these three groups is about one of the persons in the blessed Holy Trinity. Look, the first three point to the Holy Spirit. The second three point to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son. And finally, to God the Father himself. And you know what? These are not just interesting Bits, bits of trivia, you know, you can bring up your next Bible Jeopardy gathering, I guess. But it, and they're not just interesting. They're not just something like that. I think they're important. Because you know why? They point, they're showing us that God, the Holy Trinity, is involved in us. It all points to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see evidence like this, and it's God's in our lives. That's how we're walking. That's how we're living out. That's God in us, and we get to see the Holy Trinity, all of it involved in us. We see the evidence of God in our life. We stop seeing through our own eyes when we see things like this. We start seeing God himself revealed to us right out here in front of everybody. And you know what that does? That brings us out of our meanness. I'm calling it meanness. Not meanness, meanness. Our oneness, looking at ourselves, and we start looking at God because we can see the holy, the, the reflection of the Holy Spirit of the, of the Trinity in everywhere that we walk and in everything that we do. You know what? The teaching here in verse 2, it doesn't just try to get us to, to understand that by this whole concept, by asking us to, 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 to be humble, gentle, patient, bearing one another in love, they're certainly essential. And those are graces, though, that come from God. But see, what we see here is the Spirit. And we see ourselves as individual members of the church, of Christ's church. Three in one. 
before the triune God, three in one, one in three, Holy Spirit, Son, Father, and God. That's, that's how the church is supposed to see itself, and that's how we are to be seen, and that's how we are to walk. Look how it's revealed here. It starts with the Holy Spirit, and it says, and then it goes to the Son and ends with God the Father. Why in that order? Why, why not God the Father and God the Son and then God the Holy Spirit? That would be the. But it starts with the church. That's why. That's us. Is the church seeing everything? The Trinity in all of us? I want them to see Jesus Christ because let me tell you what, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, Him and Him only. But is, is the world seeing that around us, that Jesus is the God and the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus? That's his job, right? What are we doing? We'll get to that in a minute. So look, it starts with the church. The church is a fellowship of the Spirit, a community of the Spirit. It starts, starts with us, where we are, and it takes us to a higher point. The church is a body of the head, of which is Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit points us to Christ. And then Christ points us, is the one that intercedes between us and God. All of them are one, the Godhead. I'm doing this Trinitarian thing so we can see how all of this works together. It's in front of us all the time. God is with us. So he moves from where, where we are indwelt by the Spirit through the one and only mediator, Jesus Christ, to present us to God the Father. He shows us that we are where we are and where we are because of the work of the Spirit pointing us to Jesus who's the mediator and to God. I guess we got all that straight. You know what? This is, this is really practical, isn't it? Because we get to see all of it right here in front of us. So as Christians, we're not left alone to work all this out. The Holy Spirit is in us. And he will lead us to the Son. And he will teach us how to pray. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You know this one. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's in Romans 8, 26. And he will bring us to the Son. And as our mediator and great high priest, the Son will present us to the Father. I'm going with him. I'm counting on him and him only. So the only way we can do it, isn't it? There's no need to argue about the unity of the Spirit or the bond, in the bond of peace. It's already here. We already have the unity. We're here to protect it, to keep it among us. You know what? We cannot unite the church. It's already been done for us. Unity's already here. God put it there through the Holy Spirit. So how can we miss it? We can't, we can't go around making unity, folks. So there's no problem to unite the church. The scripture, it's right here in front of our eyes, and it's telling us to do it. It's telling us not to break it. Remember we talked about that last week? It said eagerly defend it. That's what we're here to do is the unity. In unity of the Spirit, we're to be careful and not to break it. So let's look at this unity with the Holy Spirit and his work. Paul uses the illustration of the human body. I love this one. Um, but what he means, what does he mean by the church as one body? Did you ever take that apart and think about that? Hmm. So what are you? Are you an eyeball or you're a toe? What are you? Yeah, I think I'd ever tell you that story about Bob. We read a book years ago about Bob George. And uh, 
in it, he talks about the toad says, you know, I want to be an eyeball. Have I told you this? Toad says, I want to be an eyeball. And, and God says, wait a minute, you're a toad. Why would you want to be an eyeball? He's, he said, God says, you're first. Where we go? He said, but I want to be an eyeball. I'm going to see where we're going. Yeah, but, but you're, you're the first one there. And you, you point to where we're going. Yeah, but I really want to be an eyeball. The toad says, I want to be an eyeball. And God says, but you give us balance. I mean, you're, you're everything. He says, okay, you really want to be an eyeball? You can be an eyeball, but all you're ever going to see is the inside of a sock. How many people do we have like that? I want to be an eyeball when they're a toad. They're the first there and give us the balance and everything. You know, Paul uses this description of the body, of the church, like he does with the body. Um, Why does he do that? That's an important question. It's obvious that he's talking about the mystical and the unseen spiritual church. You know, sometimes we think, okay, yeah, where you go to church? Well, you know, it's like those bricks and mortar over there or something. No, we're talking about the spiritual, the unseen church of Christ. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. You know, it, it can mean the whole external church, the visible and external church is made up of many bodies. There have been a lot of tragedies in the history of the church because of not understanding this point. So, you know what? I'll pick on one. The Roman Catholic Church says that it's the only true church and that all other visible churches are not part of the real church. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of uh, institutionalized churches have made the same claim. You know, completely failing to understand the spiritual church we are in Jesus Christ. And here Paul, in Ephesians 4, Paul, Paul is telling us there's only one true church. Uh, there can't be more than one because there's just one body. And that's in Jesus Christ. There's one perfect mystical church, unseen and spiritual. There's only one body. And the church is made up of people of all types and all kinds and all colors and all nations and all that stuff. You know what? We all belong to Jesus. I like what Jerry said a while ago. You know, it didn't make any difference. Who you are, where you come from, or, or you know what color your eyes are, if you have hair or don't have hair, any of that stuff. It, 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 it's um, there are people in the church from all nations under heaven, all over the world, from all tribes and people groups throughout the earth, and the church pays no attention to time either. God's eternal, isn't He? Uh, the, the early Christians are in this body too, the ones that have already gone on to be with the Lord. They're still in this church, are they not? They have eternal life in him. You know, the martyrs of the first church and the martyrs of the Reformation are in this body. The, the, the Puritans, the Anabaptists, the Baptists, all those things we want to put labels on, you know, the Covenanters, the First Methodists, uh, they're all in this body, and, and you are in this body too with Jesus Christ. Amen. The church spans the centuries. And you know what? In natural abilities, I, this is the part that always I, I love to see us get hung up on this. You know, we'll actually appoint someone to position because they, they're, they're excellent in some business things. And we think they ought to be a business leader in the church like the church is a business. It's not the case at all. Abilities don't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference if you're, if you're not so smart or if you're a men's IQ. It doesn't make any difference. Christ still loves you. And comparing our intelligence to God, we're all not smart, aren't we? 
Doesn't make any difference. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. We were talking about this earlier. When I go into McDonald's, I kind of stammer when I look up there at the at the uh, McDonald's menu because I don't know it like everybody else. I'm sorry. You know, I hope they'll forgive me. They don't seem to have a lot of tolerance about that. But you know, it it, it, it didn't make any difference if you stammer at, at the at the McDonald's menu or if you defend yourself before the Supreme Court. It doesn't make any difference, does it? can all be in the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference if you're filthy rich or you're filthy poor. It has nothing to do with anything in this world, does it? There's no rating system. The body is one. It's the church of all ages. And it's, it's full of God's people. It's the only body. It's the unseen spiritual church. The only thing that ultimately matters for each of us is that we belong to this body, this spiritual body. We can be members of a visible church somewhere and not be a member of the spiritual body. And we can be a member of the spiritual body, maybe not be a part of a, of a local church. That's not as likely because Christ is going to lead us as we obey him in his commands. And we're going to do all those things that he commanded us to do to fulfill our sanctification. In him, because we're walking with him every day, right? But you know what? There are a lot of people who sit in church pews that really aren't a part of the spiritual church. Um, Paul explains it in detail in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, I'm, I'm going to trust you read this. You want me to read it? I'll be glad to read it to us. It's, it's a little bit long, but I know we've read it. you've read it before. So let me just give you a, kind of a cliff notes on it as we go through it. Can I do that? Okay, good. He says, he says the church is a new creation and God the creator has done another great miracle. He's created a new creation, a new body. It's called the church. He didn't simply take a Jew and a Christian and put them down together and, and work out some kind of deal, or some kind of business merger. That would have been a really good thing to do, wouldn't it? We're still fighting over that. He didn't sit down with them and says, now you guys are going to have to get along. You're going to have to be friendly. He didn't do that. The church is a new creation. And we have the Holy Spirit that gives us that unity. It's not a collection of parts. You know, the distinction of the parts doesn't really exist in the body. Uh, this has been a, a destruction of something before there was even a new creation. We've we been delivered from the things that separated us before God created in himself one man in place of two, so making peace. That comes from, from uh, Ephesians 2, 3. So let's go back to this analogy, analogy of the body a minute. The body has fingers, toes, hands, you know, all those things. We talk about the toe and the sock and the eyeball and all that. Legs, arms, and, and all of that. But the body is not a collection of parts. Not, not one has been, been created separately. You know what? I, I'm glad that God didn't go out and, and uh, say, you know what? I, I think that shiny head over there, I can get a bargain on that one. You know, and add that. No, he didn't do that. He made us from the inside one cell and grew us into a body. Same thing with the church. You know what? He did that same thing with the church. Now, my... Uh, a person joins a church and signs up on the church roll nowadays, though, and what do we do? You sign up, give them a right hand of Christian fellowship, left hand full of envelopes, and say, you're in. 
Uh, that's not really it. That's not how the scripture describes the nature of the mystical church. We're not added to, to Christ in that sense. The true church is a new creation. It's not a new business. We didn't have to have to file a 501 uh, C3 to become a 501 C3 with God, did we? It's his creation. Something that he's done. And all everyone who belongs to her are born of the Spirit. They're born of Christ. Christ's great work on the cross. It allows us to be a part of the Holy Spirit to come in and live in us. Partakers of the divine nature, Peter said. And that's how we see the unity. But there's a diversity in the unity. You see, we, we, we see what we see in the church is unity, but not uniformity. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul had received letters from Chloe's family. Who, um, if there was an argument over who was the best. And he says, each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul reminded them that the church is the body of Christ. It's all one. We're back to that. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And he's making them see how silly it is to teach teach that, that in the church, like in the human body, there is diversity in unity. There's a variety in the unity. Look at the finger in the eye. What we just said, or the toe in the eye, like we just said, you know. They don't seem to have much in common, do they? At first glance, it looks like there's no relationship in them, between them. But there is. Stump your toe. Your eye's going to (laughs) cry. Maybe. They're all joined together, aren't they? There's that unity. They may look different, and they have different functions. They all belong together and essential as parts of the body, though. You can't separate them. You know what? You can't divorce your finger. You can't divorce a part of your body, can you? Yeah, you might be able to work with that part of it. Mm-mm. They're diverse yet one. No one can act on his own. None of these can act on their own. You know, if, if my finger leaves my hand and crawls off across over there, you can get really worried. You know, it all has to work together, doesn't it? Each is dependent on all the others to do their part. The eye can't work the whole body. There's no, no independ- there's no independence in the body. Each part derives its meaning, uh, its essence, its relationship from the rest. Who you are in Christ, in the unity, the spirit, may be different than somebody else. What you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to be doing. But we're all supposed to be doing it together as one. Each organ needs the others, and each one benefits by the functions of others. Then, he's, then here's what Paul says. That I love. He says, then if you have right understanding of how the body works, you won't despise any part of your body. Um, no part is unimportant. Every part counts. 
Every single member of the church is important. I hate it when someone says, oh, well, I got, I'm, I'm there, but I, I don't have an important part. There is no such thing as unimportant in the body of Christ. No such thing. I hate to hear that when someone says that. What they mean is they don't, they don't have some, uh, they can't go out and speak eloquently, maybe in front of somebody, you know, I'm afraid to speak. Well, no, you know what, what your spirit speaks. And what you do speaks. What you do as a part of the body of Christ speaks right out loud, I promise you. Uh, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but i got to tell you, I love it when I'm, when I'm up here at the shopping center and someone says, you know, that, that man running around in the wheelchair, I'm not using any names, that man in the wheelchair, you know, he's, a, he's talking about people here, about the love of Christ, because that's his testimony. Uh, I'm not going. He's asleep. That's why I'm not going to pick on him. <laughs> that should be a warning to you. If you go to sleep, you may become a sermon illustration. Know that. <laughs> Do you know what that does? Strengthen all of us, doesn't it? I'm so proud to have him as a brother, because he's out there telling people about Jesus by the way he lives and the way he walks. And you know what? I can I can pick out a lot of people in here. I know that about now that I've been walking with here these last. What, month and a half, couple months? I gotta tell you folks, people notice us. They do notice us. And here's the thing. You know what I, what I want them to notice about us? Is Jesus Christ living in us. The Holy Spirit living in us. The unity that we have together. Um, another thing I want to see here is that, that all the parts of the body work together toward the same objective. Each part of the body has its own function, but it does its part. You think with with your brain, and you act with your will. But you know what? None of that's going to work unless you got something to do it. If I want to close this book, my brain thinks it, my will does it, but my hands close it. It took all that body to do it, didn't it? The church is one body of Christ, and we're members. Paul has already told us in Ephesians three. He said that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. <laughs> Rulers and authorities in heaven are watching the church. They're watching you and me. That's how God is seen. And that's the unity of the Spirit is what brings us all together for them to see us. We each have to do our part. Hmm. You know what? That's the calling we've been called to. We all think about what are we supposed to do here. The Lord's called you to do something. One last thing I want us to see, and this is from 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to quit. Because of this essential unity, and it is essential for the body to be effective. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. Hit your finger with a hammer. What are you going to hear, the finger? Yeah, you know what? The whole body feels it. <laughs> Again, you can't divorce that little finger from the body, can you? Just because you hit it with a hammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, somebody may want to when they. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Because of the unity body, that the same blood flows through all of it. And you know what? We took communion a while ago. That blood that was sacrificed had the blood of, of God in it. And that's the lifeblood that flows through us. 
That's all what we were taking communion together a while ago about, wasn't it? That life that was given for you and me. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, then all the members are honored with it. Uh, If we truly understood the doctrine of the church, there wouldn't be any competition or rivalries or anything between churches. I hate that, don't you? We're all not working together. Jesus Christ in the Spirit. You know what, if that that was the case, then all these man-made goals would be ridiculous. Oh, I believe they are. And when one church is guilty of missing their attainment goals or their numbers or, or something like that, you know what they're telling us? They don't understand the doctrine of, of the church. If we had one person come to Christ this week, the whole church should celebrate. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Because you know what? We're all doing our part together. If we had one confession, one whatever, the whole church celebrates. Um, What a privilege we have and we can enjoy by walking as one in the unity that the Spirit brings us in Jesus Christ for the glory of God. You and I are members of the body of Christ. You and I are members of the body of Christ, and our relationship is to him. He's the head. We're the members. There's no greater privilege than that. The psalmist in Psalm 84 said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, it was actually an honor to be at the, at the foot of the king, to serve at his, at his feet. But our blessing is even better than that, isn't it? We are in Christ. Only men's here? Are you in Christ? We are, and we're all in it together, aren't we? As Christians, we're parts of the the spiritual, mystical body. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Be a good one to remember as we walk all week. If we know that truth, we will always be eager to maintain the unity of the bond of peace that the Holy Spirit gives us. Are we? Amen. I pray that we are. Let's walk that way this week. People are watching. A lot of people are watching. And you know what? We are one in Christ. Lord, I thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus Christ. Before you are your people who love you, who make you Lord of our lives. All of us, Lord, is one in the body of Christ. Oh, Lord, may you be blessed by our unity. May you be blessed by the sharing of your gospel and your love and your message to all around us. And, Lord, we celebrate with you when they come to you. Lord, you be honored with all that we do and say in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen.